Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Before we go any further, Casey... Good morning. Good morning. And we welcome Lindsey Davis, who's starting an internship with us today from the University of Cincinnati. Lindsey, lean in that microphone over there. Good morning. Good morning. And how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you ready to abandon this internship <laughs> a matter of an hour in? <laughs> no, I'm excited to see you how are? this goes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're excited to have you. Thank you. Welcome aboard. Elliot. What's up? How are we looking? We're looking good. How do you think she feels about her internship when the first three people she meets are you, Casey, and me? I'd be scared. That's for sure. I'd be scared. Wait till she meets Lawnmower Man. <laughs> then it'll be cemented, Tom. She's, she'll be out of here. She's going to be around in the spring, so he'll That's be making right. an appearance sometime That's soon. Right. Yes. Uh, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey, to 12. P. And you can join us on YouTube. That's the Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live every day on X. The company owned by our guy, Elon Musk. That's your guy, not and my see, guy. He is my guy on Seabox Sports. Or if you choose to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, look, it was a disappointing season that came to an end yesterday for the home team. And at least it ended on a high note. Even if the 31-14 win against Cleveland, really a team that didn't even try. They didn't have anybody playing. Jake Browning certainly made his case to be a starter somewhere in the National Football League. After an early interception, he threw three touchdown passes, giving him 12 in his seven starts. He won four of those seven starts. Jamar Chase joins TJ Hushmanzada and Carl Pickens as the only Bengals in franchise history to have 100 receptions in a season. And look, then there's Joe Mixon, okay? The 27-year-old rushed for 111 yards, had a couple of touchdowns yesterday. He blows by the 1,000 rushing yards mark for the fourth season in his outstanding career. Love him or hate him, he's had an outstanding career. He becomes a third-leading rusher in franchise history. But will it be his final game in a Cincinnati uniform? Was yesterday Tyler Boyd's last game as a Bengal? Let's try and answer some of those questions right now. Without further ado, our main man from Cincinnati.com is Charlie Goldsmith. Charlie, good morning. Hope you're well. You're going to be morning. able to catch a little breather or two now before you rev up for the Red Legs. I'm all excited. I'm really going to be able to sit down and watch every single playoff game for the first time in a couple of years since, you know, usually they'd conflicted with the Bengals and their travel schedule. Well, I, we're all excited about that, and that'll start Saturday, and we'll talk about the matchups later. All right, those, those two questions that I just asked. Joe Mixon, his final game is a Bengal? The answer is, I don't know. He doesn't know. They don't know. I was, I would have probably put it at a 33% chance at this point last year that Mixon would be on the Bengals in 2023. And what ended up happening was the Bengals really only saw fits with a few free agent running backs who signed elsewhere. They loved a few specific guys in the draft, especially Jameer Gibbs. And if Jameer Gibbs was on the board in round one, I bet Joe Mixon wouldn't have been a Bengal this year. So this year, it'll probably be a similar story, maybe even a, a little more against Mixon's odds because he is another year older with another year of wear and tear. But if free agency doesn't pan out and, you know, they can't address everything in free agency, if the draft doesn't pan out specifically at the running back position, then they wouldn't be opposed to having Mixon back for 2024. 
All right, what about Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd, I have a hard time, a very hard time seeing both Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins on the roster. Now, if, you know, a tag and trade happens with T and you feel like you need some beacon of consistency and you have more flexibility than you expected because Higgins isn't around, sure, there's a lot of value in keeping, like, literally a milestone temple culture guy who's also more productive than his stats show in Tyler Boyd. But if you're going to keep T, which I do think is more likely than the op- than the alternative, you just can't afford with how many you know openings and holes there are in the depth chart to invest as much in Tyler as he's going to get on the free agent market. Like if you're the Patriots or the Commanders or, or the Jets, so many teams desperate for receiver play, he's going to get a nice contract and more likely than not, that'll be somewhere else. All right, um, DJ Reader is another name that comes to mind, and he's been out for a number of weeks since tearing up his quad. Now, he's come back from this injury before and been a really, really good player, if not a great player, Pro Bowl player. Um, does his injury, do you believe, enhance his chances of coming back? I mean, they know him here. They like him here. They love him here. They should love him here. Or do you think that, you know, there's just too many questions about his age, about coming back from that kind of injury? What are your thoughts on him? I think, you know, obviously the injury, really unfortunate for him, unfortunately cost him a lot of money. I do think it probably does increase his chances of returning. If he hadn't got hurt, I think he was set up really well to be one of the most in-demand defensive players on the entire free agent market. Now, you know, if he wants to take a one-year prove-it deal, reestablish his value coming off the injury and set himself up for that contract in 2025, well, what better place to make the most of who you are than the place where you're the most comfortable, the place that has schemed an entire system around your strengths? So I don't know how how open Reader would be to that specific one-year deal model. It would really probably be impacted by how many multi-year offers he has on the table, which again ties back to the quad injury. But if he does want to reestablish his value, Cincinnati's the best place, and Lou Anarumo has made it very, very clear he wants Reader back. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, we know the schedule was one of the toughest schedules in the history of the National Football League, at least since they went to the, the, the creation of the way they set up schedules. First place teams, tougher schedule. Now the Bengals as a fourth place team will play an easier schedule next year, at least theoretically, uh, than they did this year. At the end of the day, you say to yourself, this season was a fill in the blank. Yeah, this season was all about winning the Super Bowl. Every decision they made in March, April, May, June, training camp schedule, OTAs, was all about winning the Super Bowl. And Zach Taylor's message to the team in the locker room and his message to, you know, he, he gave a message to the fans in his post-game press conference was, we owe you championship-level football. We didn't do that this year. Now, that didn't happen, number one, because of Joe Burrow's injury. I am very, very confident that if Joe Burrow were healthy, they would have made the playoffs. Who knows, maybe they get hot and go on a run. But, you know, we all know that this was not the same team around Burrow that the Bengals had in 2021 and 2022. So, you know, part of the reason they didn't make the playoffs is the same part of the reason that they might not have won multiple playoff games. Um, The development of the defensive backs, the average pass rush, even including Trey Hendrickson, the way the linebackers weren't quite the same, the way the run game kind of sputtered out, the way some big big, you know, investments they were counting on. They needed Irv Smith. They needed some other guys on the roster to develop. The reasons they didn't get those are more signs that the season wasn't as much of a success as it could have been. All right, you talk to all these guys. You've got a lot of people on the inside. Uh, There are a lot of things. You just went through a laundry list of things that they're going to have to consider during this offseason. 
I mean, Hendrickson was fantastic. Guys they were counting on to provide more pass rush didn't do it. Hubbard, you know, he plowed through this year. The guy's going to have ankle surgery, for crying out loud, and he kept playing and playing and playing. So there's so much to be said about that. Uh, the linebackers, you mentioned them. There's talk about the safeties, and they let Bates walk out, and they let Bell walk out. Now there are whispers that maybe they're not crazy about Dax Hill. We know about some of the challenges on offense. Where, If you rank priority one, two, three for this offseason, what would they be? So the Bengals, as I said, they have more holes than they're going to be able to fill. So, like, it was the same situation heading into this year because of, you know, Burrow's quarterback contract window. They couldn't get a tight end they liked. They couldn't get a third down running back. They couldn't get the pass rush depth they needed. And those weaknesses were exposed. The question for 2024 is, you know, what are you willing to put up with? Number one area to fill, need to fill for me is wide receiver. I talked to Brian Callahan about the big three in this era and philosophy and kind of replicating that going forward. And I said, you've always, you know, believed in investing in multiple star receivers. And as I was saying that, he cut me off and said, and I always will. So that's a starting point, whether it's, you know, keeping T in the fold, whether it's a first round pick a wide receiver, that's something they really want. They need a, a right tackle. You know, you and I have as good of a chance at starting as right tackle as anyone currently on the 53-man <laughs> roster heading into 2024. And aside from that, you know, Reader's a free agent. Also, Josh Tupo's a free agent. Um, you know, he's obviously a backup guy, but the Bengals just don't have a nose tackle on the roster right now. Now, maybe B.J. Hill slides to nose. Maybe you want to get a more explosive three-tech and fill the true nose tech role as a backup or with a draft pick. That's really interesting to me. But the interior of the defensive line as a whole is something we'll have to address. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the right tackle thing, you know, it, it just feels like that's not one of the first things you think of, but my goodness, if you're going to keep Burrow upright, and it seems like we talk about this every single year, Kappa and Karras a year older. Bolson came on, played better as the season went on, and Orlando Brown's going to be there for all eternity. But man, um, that right tackle thing is where they have just really dropped the ball. You would have thought that Carmen or somebody would be ready by now to step in and play that position. There's no way, right? No way Jonah Williams is coming back here. Is there none? Well, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I would okay. 25, 33% chance. Um, if it doesn't work out with T and you have some flexibility, you know, he could be a Orlando Brown Jr. of this year, but does he want to be a left tackle? Is there a team out there that's going to pay him like a left tackle? He might be the best tackle on the market. He will get a lot more money this offseason than you expect. Okay. Um, you know, I can't decide, Charlie, help me with this. And I'm being very, very sincere because I have been extremely critical at times of Zach Taylor, primarily his play calling. And, and that's the word on the street, right? Okay. So I can't decide, though. I've also given him credit, even for a game like yesterday. They came out and played their tail off. And you can say, well, they played the Browns back. That's fine. But at least they showed up focused and ready to play. There's something to be said for that. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the Steelers. Four different quarterbacks. A guy that's taken him to the playoffs who's 3-0 and in his starts and looks like a world beater in Mason Rudolph. I look at the Browns. They get their franchise guy. He hadn't played like a franchise guy. Three quarterbacks after him later. You got 38-year-old Joe Flacco taking him to the playoffs. So I look at Tomlin. I look at Stefanski. And I say to myself, if there have ever been, if there has ever been two coaches that could have used every excuse in the book 
not to make the playoffs, it would be those two guys and those two teams. Yet here we are. Both are playing next weekend. The Bengals are not. So I can't decide, Charlie, if this has been a good coaching job by Zach Taylor and his staff or really not a good job at all. I think kind of a mixed bag in a lot of ways. Like the stuff they did to retailer the offense around Jake Browning and now loop in, you know, what they did in October against the Niners and the Bills, that's as good as it gets from an offensive football perspective. But like Mike Tomlin walking off the field yesterday, looks at the cameras and shouts off the couch, which meant like the Steelers are starting three guys who are on the couch in like November. The Bengals entered this year with the, with what Zach Taylor called the deepest roster he's had. And when you look at the differences between the Steelers and the Browns and the Bengals, it's when the Bengals' depth was counted on, it didn't perform the way they needed. And, you know, you could say that's a reflection of the front office, but really that's a reflection of the coaching staff, especially in a place like Cincinnati. Cincinnati, basically more than anyone in the NFL, empowers the coaching staff with these personnel decisions yep. and has the coaching staff work in lockstep with the front office. So, you know, when you look at the 2021 draft, when you look at, you know, the way, you know, draft pick investments in the trenches haven't panned out, when you look at some of the free agents who didn't give the Bengals necessarily what they expected, when you look at the safeties who didn't click right away as quickly as the Bengals needed them to compared to a Steelers team. Now they have two veterans back there right now, but one had never played safety before, you know, December in Patrick Peterson. And the other Eric Rowe was a guy who again was on the couch a couple weeks ago. Why have they clicked and Jordan battle and Dax Hill haven't? That is a loaded question. The Bengals need to answer because Dax and Jordan need to be better than Rowe and, um, Peterson or, you know, some equivalents on the Browns roster with their line and, you know, how they've overcome injuries as well. All right. Uh, with that in mind, last thing I'll ask you before we let you go. Actually, I have one red thing before we let you go, but, but, but to wrap up on the Bengals, do you foresee, and this has rarely been a franchise that likes a lot of change in the coaching staff, especially the head coach, but even the coordinators and the position coaches, do you expect that we would see any changes on the staff, number one, Number two, do you think there's any chance Zach Taylor gives up play calling next year? Number one, no. You know, we talked about uh, this was Zach for a bit on, you know, Friday, and he said great coaching staff. The continuity has been huge. A lot of future head coaches on those staff, he says. And, you know, take that for what it's worth. But that's how Zach views the staff, and ultimately it's his decision. Will he give up play calling? I think this is going to be a fascinating offseason for Zach. I think you need to – I think there's an opportunity for him to take a greater role with defense, a greater role with hands-on player developments. You know, as the overall roster changes, his role changes from a time management perspective. Is that something you consider? I don't know. I would lean no because of how well it's worked with Burrow in the past. But if Callahan stays and with some other, you know, items on Zach's to-do list compared to previous off-seasons, I would say it's more of a conversation than it's been. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, Burrow prefers Zach as the play caller. So I'll defer to that. All right. Fair enough. Uh, when you cranking up with the Reds, are you going to spring training or, or kind of what's the program? I report with uh, pitchers and catchers on February 12th. Man, you are nonstop, Charlie Goldsmith. If I had your age, your looks, and your go get them, <laughs> there's no telling where I might be going. Wish you all the best, buddy. Thanks for all your help this football season. and look forward to checking in with you sometime soon. Thank you very much. I'll see you guys later. All right, Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com, guy's the best. Uh, he's made himself available this entire football season for us on a regular basis. Guy works his tail off, man. There is no guy that covers the NFL that works harder than that guy because he goes right into baseball.
I mean, a lot of people are like, man, I'd kill to be able to go do that. You know, a month from now, I'm showing up in Arizona for spring training. Those writers in spring training and writers in baseball, and I rip a lot of them, but I tell you, nobody works harder than baseball beat writers. They are there four hours before every game. They have to recap the game for two or three hours, go in the clubhouse after a game, get the quotes, come back up, write their story. They're sitting there once a regular season starts until 1130, 1230 every single night. And that guy is doing both sports. Whatever they're paying him at Cincinnati Inquirer, it ain't enough. It's not enough. Are you sad? And again, we're going to get to football in a second. Are you sad that the uh, radio broadcast took away bringing the, usually they brought up a segment with the, uh, with some of the writers they, they went away with that because yeah, of the I never stuff. liked it. You never liked that stuff. I never liked it. I always told my dad when I came back to the Reds and, and leaving Arizona that I just thought it was – I didn't think it was a healthy sort of thing for the franchise. I just didn't think it was. That was just my opinion. Yeah. Did you like it? I, I thought it was okay. I You know, it just – it took away a little bit from the broadcast, I felt like, when you're trying to listen to a game. But I, I thought it was nice. I thought it was fun. But either way, it won't happen anymore. So. Yeah, won't happen anymore. Yep. Shout out, Charlie. That is by the wayside, much like the banana phone. That's right. R.I.P. the banana phone. You ever call into the banana phone? I did. I bet you did. I did. <laughs> Actually, I did it when uh, I was working. I was a college student at the Ohio University. By the way, did you see their advertisements they've been paying for NFL games? I have not seen They were it on before. that 430 Fox game yesterday. Were they really? I mean, it is big league. Big league. Anyway, I used to run the board for the local affiliate in Athens. So I'd, listen, I'd have to listen to every game. I mean, I got tired of my dad yelling at me before the game, yelling at me after the game on the phone. Then I had to listen to the freaking guy for three hours every night. <laughs> but, yeah, a couple times they, uh, they, uh, they'd go to the banana phone and I'd call in. How about that? Yeah, it was fun. All right, let's get to the rest of the NFL. There's a lot going on. Playoffs are officially set, as we know. The weekend started on Saturday with Lindsay's Pittsburgh Steelers. So don't hold it against her, even though she's a Columbus, Ohio girl. Don't hold it against her. Oh, no. Her family all from Pittsburgh. Oh, no. She's got bragging rights today, boys. I guess. Pittsburgh beat Baltimore, right? They had to win that game. They needed some help to get in. And they got that by A, winning, and then Jacksonville. Only fitting that Reed Mouse is under the weather today. Yeah, that's or right. he'd be mm-hmm. taking a beating from this panel. Um, Tennessee just wiped them out. I know it was an eight-point final. Tennessee dominated the game at what might have been Derrick Henry's final game for the Titans. How would he look in a Bengals uniform? Hmm. Look pretty nasty in a Bengals uniform. Love to have that cat on my team. Six weeks ago, we were talking about the Jaguars getting a number one seed in the AFC. Number one seed overall. That was before a one in five finish. And now some are wondering, is Trevor Lawrence the guy He's made 50 starts. He has 69 touchdowns, 60 turnovers, and a 20 and 30 record. Franchise guy for you, Elliot, yay or nay? Absolutely not. I was out. Wow. On, I was out on Trevor Lawrence before he got to the NFL, and, and all he's done is cement my opinions of him. I look. I don't. I don't think the Jaguars are a bad team. But in 16 years, they've had they've had one quarterback be able to lead them to a 10 win season, and it was Blake Bortles. It's not going to be Trevor Lawrence. They had they had one of the easiest schedules imaginable, and they were unable to do it. Tom, 
on it. Well, I wonder what their 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 percentages were to make the uh, make the postseason when they were eight and three. Oh man, I remember what the I wonder what the percentages were. It's impossible to miss the playoffs. Yet they did it. I don't think it's a health thing. I, I know Trevor Lawrence had I think one two two injuries or or two uh, games where he missed due to injury. Uh, and, and say whatever you want about Christian Kirk being gone. But they had ATN healthy. They had Ridley healthy. They had some guys there, and they're just unable to perform offensively. That's the Jaguars. They're not fraudulent. They're just bad. Yeah, they're not good. They're one of the they're, – they're the biggest frauds that people hyped up all offseason long. There was talk about them going like 13-4, and four. like they just could've. absolutely dominating their schedule. And just like Elliot said, I was out on Trevor Lawrence when he came in in the draft. I thought he – Crumbled under pressure too many times. Like, actual he pass rush pressure. He led him to a playoff not, win last year, last time I uh, checked. Pre- like, pass rush did he pressure. Though? Not, not, did he lead him to a not playoff actual win? pressure. Well, he did. He threw four I mean, picks, I think it was, in the first half. Yeah. And then rallied from, like, a, tw- a three-touchdown deficit. I would argue that the other biggest joke in the NFL are the Chargers. They blew Brandon the game. I, 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 would, I, don't think, I don't think Trevor Lawrence led them to anything. That's fair. They led them into a, into a killing is what he did, and then, and then the Chargers threw the game away. That's fair. Okay. Uh, later Saturday. Saturday was a good day, man, if you're into watching, you know, playoff implication football. The oh, Texans yeah. had to win in Indy to get to the postseason, and that they did. The duo of D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud become the first rookie head coach and first rookie quarterback to ever reach the postseason. We've talked about Stroud a lot, and look, don't jump on the bandwagon. Here comes Tom with his Ohio State stuff. It cannot be denied the year that Stroud had. This cat was beyond description. 15 games, he missed two with a concussion. He throws for over 4,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, and five interceptions. And I got to tell you, through all of that, Last night, I'm reading through some of the comments made by his teammates about his leadership of this team and in that locker room. If he got a few minutes, go read it. This wasn't lip service stuff. This was coming from guys that have been in the league two or three years to coming from guys who have been in the league for eight or 10 or 12 years. Apparently, Stroud is not only the man on the field, he is the man off the field. And we said that about him during the Heisman stuff last year. This guy is on his game, on and off the field. How about Buffalo? Now, you talk about a team, we were talking about the Jaguars. After a week 13 bye, the Bills were 6-6. Six and six. They had a 21% chance to make the playoffs. They were going to Kansas City. Win. Home to Dallas. Win. Expected wins over the Chargers and Patriots. And then last night, They rally in the fourth quarter to beat Miami to win the AFC East. It's not always pretty. In fact, sometimes it's downright ugly with this team. But no one, Elliott Rearing, wants to play the Buffalo Bills in the postseason. No one. I think you can make an argument that they're the second favorite to win the Super Bowl. I I do believe, now granted, I know last week I said they can miss the playoffs, so watch watch me work around that take. But I, I do think the Bills and Josh Allen, they, they're a damn good team. They underperformed the first half of the season, and now they're kind of showing their true colors. I don't think they played great last night. Casey no. and I were talking no. about that before the show. Josh Allen had three turnovers. 
and, and he and he throws the ball to the other team more than anybody in the no league. Doubt. It seems might like. be colorblind. It might be colorblind. <laughs> I just and, and but I, I do think that is a good roster. I think that's a very good roster. Stephon Diggs showed up for the first time seemingly in eight weeks last night. But they just got guys all around. Dalton Kincaid's a beast. Uh, we got Cook is a baller. I go around that roster, and I think they're damn good. I, now, granted, I don't think Miami's very good. I think that's a serviceable playoff team, but I think they're about to get bounced. If they play anybody with a winning record, they don't show up. Their their world-beating offense goes to sleep. But to your point, I don't want to play the Buffalo Bills ever. In fact, I will be placing a wager on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Because I do, I do think you think they're going to beat Baltimore. When I close my eyes, Tom. When you when close I, your when eyes, when I close my eyes at night, in the hot I, tub, that in my hot tub, <laughs> and I'm thinking about who can win the Lombardi Trophy, who's going to hoist that thing up. I can see Josh Allen doing it. I really can. I can see. I can okay. see Josh Allen doing it. All right. To Elliot's point, I mean, Josh Allen was 30 of 38 for 360 yards. And then two touchdowns, not not even including his rush yards, which was 67. He had over 400 yards on the day, but he had three turnovers. Yeah. I mean, I, and they're just like boneheaded decisions. Like he's just jumping up in the air, chucking it downfield when he doesn't need to. Like he was already dominating the game, able to drive down the field. It was just like, don't do that. And you would dominate the Miami Dolphins. It was like, Zach, it was like Zach Taylor play calls. It was like fourth yeah. and one. Let's see how far down the field we can throw it. And it's just, that's not how you win I games. saw that half a dozen times yesterday. I, I, I'm just sitting there watching games and, 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 and bouncing around. I don't know how many times I saw in the, yesterday, third down and two, third down and four, right? And throwing jump balls down the sidelines 40 yards down the field. I'll never get it. I, I just don't get it. Um, oh, well. Uh, over in the NFC, Green Bay. Needed to beat Chicago to guarantee a playoff spot. The pack hasn't lost to its rival since 2018. Jordan Love, another big story. Got to give it up. Yep. Threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns in a 17-9 slugfest. Green Bay's defense sacked Justin Fields five times to nail down the postseason spot. I asked a question on X, owned by our guy. Your guy. My guy, Elon Musk. I asked a question yesterday. Can you fairly judge Justin Fields? With the five sacks yesterday, and bear in mind now, the last couple of years, he's missed a number of games with injury. Okay? With the five sacks yesterday, only Randall Cunningham has been sacked more through the first three years of an NFL career than Justin Fields. Every time on third down yesterday, he got sacked. Now, is he holding the ball too long sometimes? I don't think there's any doubt. But can you make an honest assessment about – I mean, honestly now, can you make an assessment on Fields who since coming back has played very, very well? Wasn't that great yesterday, but my God, every time he caught the ball in shotgun, he had two guys on his heels. Yep. Can you make it – I mean, is Caleb Williams going to fix that? I don't think so. And I, and, I, and I do believe the Bears – I'm sure we'll talk about this later on in the, in the offseason as we get there, but the Bears have the number one pick. I would keep Justin Fields. I really would. I think I think the guy. I think the guy's a player. I know. I know we have our boss Trace Fowler who thinks he's a gimmick quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I think there's a testament to be able to use your legs like he does as efficiently as he does. I think he can throw the ball too. I I I think prior to this year he hasn't had a lot of help. He has DJ Moore this year. I know, and he was hurt. Hell of a player. He's DJ Moore is a very hell of a player. Yep. But I, listen, I I think I think you ride with Justin Fields. I don't think. 
risking it all for a quarterback who I again I know Reed's opinion of him. I know a lot of people's opinion. I don't. I'm not. I don't buy the Caleb. I don't buy the Caleb stock as much as everybody else. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I am very uh, low on Caleb's stock already. So I think that they should trade their first pick to get more more talent to come in. Just keep building up that roster. But also at the same time, uh, the sacks numbers, it's not just an offensive line You're stat. Right. Because right. if Justin Fields holds the ball for four seconds and doesn't throw it away, okay, well, that it, it's, it's a little bit of a misleading number, in yep. my opinion. I do think Justin Fields holds the ball a little too long. Yep. My suggestion for the Bears is you call Greg Roman, the old offensive coordinator for the Ravens, who... Turn Lamar Jackson into an MVP with just a simple switch of an offensive system, and led that team to a first seed playoff or into the first seed. Now yeah. they didn't do anything with that first seed, but at least you're getting your team in the right direction where they should be going. They should be modeling everything after the Ravens, in my opinion. Use the feet of Justin Fields to your advantage. And okay. I think you'll you'll go places. Yeah, I do think I, really I, do. I do. I do agree with because look at the NFC record versus Lamar. They are terrible against Lamar. Terrible. They're not ready for what Justin Fields could be. So I that's think it, my I think opinion. I think it is a coaching thing too. So yeah. Well, they have a defensive guy as their head coach. Correct. And I mean the whole Harbaugh thing, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, elsewhere, what happened? The Cowboys won the NFC East. Philadelphia's reeling. I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, their defense, and you can talk about the guys they got hurt on offense yesterday. Their defense, it is hard to believe you can go from where they were to where they are with the personnel on that team right now. They just got hammered yesterday by the Giants. Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield. Been talking him up around here a long time. All you a, do is beat him down, Casey. Because well, he used game. to play for... I mean, the Brownies. Tom. Tampa Bay is in the playoffs for the fourth straight year after shutting out Carolina. Tom, Not that on. that's saying a lot. Come on, Tom. You can't, you can't be hyping the up. The fighting Baker Mayfields, they've got a chance against Philadelphia. Tom, he had 137 yards. I don't care 20. what he had. They won 37 the game. Or 32 attempts. They won the game. They didn't score a touchdown. They, they won a touchdown the Against game. the worst team in the NFL. Historically, I think that's the that might be the worst one of the worst teams in in NFL history. They Panthers. won the game. They won their division four I, years in I a guess. row. They've been in the playoffs. I guess. It helps when you are uh, recovering three fumbles. That's for sure. Boy, Carolina, oh, they terrible. fired their GM today. We'll get more into all this on Black Monday in a second. So let's take a look at the wild card matchups for next weekend. We begin on Saturday. Do we have this? I do have this. All right. We begin on Saturday at 4.30. That'll be on NBC. Cleveland visits Houston. Ooh, fighting C.J. Strouds. I'll take Ooh. the brownies. Saturday night on Peacock. How Ooh. about that move? What a joke. We'll get to that in a second. What a joke. The Dolphins will face Kansas City at Arrowhead. Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS, it will be Lindsey Davis's Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo to fight to face the fight in Sean McDermott's. At 4.30 on Fox. Fox always wants Dallas. Everybody wants Dallas. They're the ratings bonanza. They are. Green Bay at Dallas. Capped off by Sunday night's game, which I happen to believe is the most intriguing game of all of these. Because Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Stafford returns to Detroit. 
to face the Lions. That is a big-time game. And that's the first time, right, that they face each other since he's been gone? And now all the marbles, as they say. Then there's a rare Monday night game that'll be on ABC. The Eagles to take on the fight in Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about all these matchups today and throughout the week. They call today Black Monday for a reason. And it's a dark day already for many around the NFL. Arthur Smith fired today after three seasons as head coach in Atlanta. 7-10, and 7-10, 7-10 ain't going to get it. Although he doesn't have a quarterback. Doesn't have a quarterback. And he benches guys even when he does. <laughs> the Washington Commanders. Now, this is a franchise that's not fooling around, right? After all these years with Daniel Schneider running the show, now they get Harris in there, multi-billionaire, will spend the money. Now, Snyder would spend the money, multi-billionaire. But Harris is like, maybe I'm not the guy to make those decisions. He did something today besides firing Ron Rivera, who's one of my favorite human beings in the world. But he hired two hugely successful executives to get things turned around. Didn't just fire Rivera. The most interesting one is he hired the former general manager of the Golden State Warriors, who built up all those great teams there, Bob Myers. He was working in TV this year. They brought him on board. They bring in my buddy, the former Vikings general manager, Rick Spielman. Both of those guys have been hired by the commanders to begin the head coaching search and get that thing turned around. Now, there's a franchise looking to get it right. I'd agree. I would agree. I think they were just tired of uh, all the nonsense that was happening beforehand, and they, they want to do their fans right. Well, not that's, even, a, that's, a prou- that's a proud fan that's base. The like, that's the best football fan base of any franchise in the NFL, not even close. But they have been kicked in the teeth for a dozen right. years. Yeah, at least 20. Yeah. Will it not be the enemy? No, I don't think so. You don't so. think so? I mean, I, what? I, I have a hard time believing he jumped ship just to be another OC without the possibility of becoming a head coach, right? Oh, no, I, I agree with you, too. I just don't think he performed enough. Like, the, the offense didn't do enough to guarantee think, that spot I thought the offense did okay for a mo- for most of the season actually I it was the I mean it was the defense that was getting slaughtered it was blowouts and I know it was garbage time touchdowns but uh I, I do think I don't I don't think they did a terrible job Sam Howell was serviceable for the first half of the season yep he became bad at the end they started having to bench him Who, who's the backup there it was um uh I'm gonna yeah, forget I'm it. I think it's Brissett maybe yeah it's Brissett uh, yeah but I didn't think they were terrible. I don't know. I, I, I'd give enemy a chance. I'd give enemy a chance. Well, uh, that search will begin immediately. What's in store, meanwhile, for Bill Belichick? He says he's going to sit down with Robert Kraft, as he does every year, walk through what's happening. How about Antonio Pierce in Las Vegas? Five and four records since he took over. One man who will certainly have a say in any job opening in the NFL is your good friend, Jim Harbaugh. Tonight, he leads that team up north into the college football national championship game against Washington. Lots of speculation that Harbaugh is going back to the NFL. Lots of speculation that the NCAA is going to throw the hammer down on the Wolverines. We'll see. And lastly... This was my favorite moment of the entire weekend. That's right, baby. Yeah, mine too. I mean, it really was. 
How about the UC Bearcats? Their big 12 opener late Saturday night. You were up watching it, Elliot. I was. You were up or no, Casey, watching it? I was. You were not. I was you not were watching tanked it. up somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I was probably tanked Casey. up somewhere. I, I was at a uh, children's birthday party, so I was That's a up. good place to get That's tanked right. up, a children's right. birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Main event. You were Great tanked place. up at a children's birthday party? Yeah, bowling. While all the kids were playing on, like, the arcade games, the, the adults, they like to go bowling at main event. Nice. So it was it was a lot of fun. What'd you I shoot? That. Is that the one in Cubbing? I mean, in uh, Newport? Where, where's no, the main event? No, no. Main event near Mason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Westchester. What'd you shoot? Oh, you know. Elliot, I was tanked up, so don't don't laugh at me when I say this. Gutter ball, little gutter ball action. No, there was a lot of gutter balls. The, they had the little bumpers. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I, I probably should have had some uh, bumpers up, but I, I definitely shot below a hundred. So we we won't go into That's details. That's not good. Below That's 100. not good. No. Uh, but the Bearcats, late Saturday night, Wes Miller's team scored forty-seven points in the second half. To knock off number 12, BYU. Crazy crowd there. They had almost oh, yeah. 17,000 there. Bearcats 71 to 60. And they did not fly out after the game because it was so late. So their charter actually flew back yesterday. And they're back at it tomorrow night. There are no layups in a Big 12. Every game, every week or a couple of times a week is against somebody who's good, if not really good. And now Texas comes to town for the Big 12 home opener at Fifth Third Arena tomorrow night. You going down to that game tomorrow night? I so I was I was talking with my dad. I think I might buy tickets to that one. I'm thinking about I think it. You too. should. I think I might be buying tickets to that game. So I, it, the one win does that do an about face for you? Does that what? Does it, are you an about face now on UC where you're believing? I'm believing. Yeah, I'm, I'm believing. I, I, I've always believed in the team. I think if they played up to their potential, they, they're a tournament team. I think I, – I think, Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. They're a tournament team. I, I yeah. think if, if Aziz and Victor can figure it out down low defensively, Aziz has got to figure it out. That guy's phenomenal. He's a good player. Victor defensively isn't great, and I do think Victor some, sometimes he gets a little bit turnover heavy. They'll give him the ball, and he'll get it stripped away or whatever have you. But if those two can figure it out – this team's damn good. And then Jizzle comes in. He doesn't play nearly enough. No, he, he comes in, he's the best player on the team. Yep. He needs to start. He had some big-time shots. I think I was watching that game, and, and, and I'm not going to give myself too much of a, a pat on the back here, but I did bet on the game at halftime. At halftime. At halftime. They were down by like five or something. It was like plus 550. Hit a money line. Boom. Winner. But <laughs> despite that, I do think BYU, they had one guy who, by the way, I thought was going to set the record. The record for NCAA and three-pointers is 15 in a game, set by some Marshall guy in the 80s. This guy hit nine. He had nine three-pointers made with 10 minutes left to go in the second half. Shut him down. This is the first game defensively that I've seen this season by UC that they've looked competent. Not only competent, but they've looked good. They looked good defensively. They knew to just shut that guy down. I don't know what this guy's name is. This guy... Uh, this was Nell, Trevin Nell. Yep. They shut his ass down, and nobody else was even close. So, I, I yeah, I, I think against the, the number 12 team in the nation on the road in your first Big 12 game, winning that, I think that sets the pace here. That sets the tone. Now. You know, it, it, it really is. And we'll see how it plays out. I mean, at the end of the day, we may look back on it and say, oh, it was a fluke. But for this program and right now, for Wes Miller's UC Bearcats, because let's face it, okay, and, and look, 
Xavier fans, just relax. This isn't a slight on you in any form or fashion. But this town is jumping when UC's good. That's right. It's jumping. I mean, I remember the days, and you guys aren't old enough to remember. When I was doing the games, they're ranked in the top 10, top 5 every year. Every time that team walked out onto the court, it was like, it was showtime, man. Going back to Van Exel and Corey Blunt and Terry Nelson and all these guys, Danny Fortson, right on down the line. It was the game in town. The Bengals stunk back then. UC was it. And if, if, if that win could have come at a better time for this program, shame on me for thinking it. They needed this, especially the timing of it all, right? It's all about timing sometimes in life. Here the Bengals season's over. They're not going to go to the playoffs. If they were, we're, we're barely talking about this game Saturday night. Yep. But now all of a sudden, we're not going to be talking about the Bengals this week in a playoff game next week. We're going to be talking about UC playing Texas tomorrow night. That's right. A legitimate shot to, to make some, some noise, too. I mean, we're, we're totally dismissing the fact that I, I know how you feel about analytics and whatnot, but BYU was second in Kim Palm. Which is speaks volumes of yeah, analytics. It's you. Not to put my Paul Frischner hat on, but that's, that's Quitter Paul. Yeah, Quitter Quitter Paul. Paul. No, that's what you guys call him. I don't call him that. You are. No, I would you never call him that. You guys do that. I don't call him that. But I would ahead. never call him that. But. I mean, that's phenomenal for UC, and I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. There's some, there's a little bit of a fraudulent play on some of these teams in the Big 12. There's never an easy game, but there's never a uh, – There are not a ton of Kansases on, on Big 12's team, like division. There's no, like, surefire thing in my opinion. I think UC has a really good shot the next couple games here to make some – Huge noise. Which makes me think, when you think about the Big 12, did you guys see the ending of that TCU-Kansas game? I did not. I, I got to tell you. You know, and again, I, I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to call a ton of college basketball games at a lot of home venues. Kansas is not one of them. But whether it's North Carolina, whether it's Duke, some of these other places – the ending of that KU game the other day was shameful. I mean, to call, basically, TCU had the game won. TCU had gone in there. TCU's got a nice team. They're coming here. Now, that's another game to think about going down and picking up a couple tickets. They're going to be here in, I think, a little more than a week. They got a nice team. Jamie Dixon, longtime Pittsburgh coach, is their head coach there. They've been to the last two NCAA tournaments, won a couple of games in the tournament. Um, anyway... They had Kansas at Fog Allen beat. And then there's this flagrant foul called that all of a sudden, you know, free throws, multiple free throws, possession to the Jayhawks, and the Jayhawks win it by one point. So to your point, the only reason I bring this up is not to talk, talk up TCU. It's to say that Kansas is the measuring stick clearly you, you can make the argument they're the measuring stick in the country, but certainly right. in the Big 12. I mean, if they can play a home game against TCU and really need officials to help them win the game, you can beat some teams in that league. I agree. But I, even the Texas Techs of the world who just beat Texas, man, I mean, whether you like the guy or not, that dude who was the coach of Texas, who's now the coach of Texas Tech, that guy can coach. That's he right. can really coach. I, Great coach. One of the top five guys in the country. So, I mean, those are the kinds of teams. The Oklahomas, the Oklahoma State. You just never get a breather 
No. Oh, and it's not even you're not even mentioning Houston, who well, is ar- arguably yeah. one of the uh, I mean maybe the best team in the nation. So yeah, I I, I to Casey's now to, to go back to what Casey was saying, I don't think sh- these games are winnable because of how competitive the the league is. But I would say it's the best basketball league without question in college. No, I wa- yeah, I wasn't trying to downplay how good the Big Twelve is. I'm just saying like I think we maybe going into the year thought like Texas would be better, thought that maybe. Um, Baylor would be a lot better. And I just don't think that they're they're not on the same level as Kansas. Like if, I think it's just Houston, Kansas, and then the then the rest, in my opinion. Mm, I don't maybe, know. Maybe Oklahoma. Oklahoma's but, top ten in the country. I said maybe Oklahoma, but that's well, top 10 that, in the country. That, but those are the I see, those I see are the your three point. Teams. I just don't I don't think it's I don't think it's even close as of as of right now. I think the Big Twelve is the best the best conference in college basketball. It's it's not yeah, and by the way, I I, I I got my wires crossed here when I was talking about Chris Beard. That's the name I was coming about. He was at Texas Tech, came to Texas, and now he's at Ole Miss. So I beg your pardon on that. I got my wires completely crossed up on that. But nonetheless, Texas Tech, they proved the other night. They beat Texas. I don't know how good Texas is. We're going to find out here uh, tomorrow night. So where do we want to begin, gentlemen? Do we want to take a uh, 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 timeout? Do we want to start into something you want, to, you want to spend a little bit of time on the Bengals game? Yes. Yeah, let's spend some time on the All Bengals right, game. All right, because I don't think it's a big deal, the game. But, 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 but go ahead. Your thoughts on the game. I thought the game was a, a nice bow for Joe Mixon. Uh, we don't know what his status will be. I think he's the most likely Bengal to return out of all the guys that are. You think Mixon is the most likely to return? To return. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, then, like, it was very um, – Tough for Tyler Boyd to have a couple drops this game. Um, that that was rough. I hate to see that for him to to have that happen to him. T. Higgins didn't even play this game. That was kind of disappointing. Luzier yep. also did not play. That's disappointing. Those are some of my favorite Bengals of this uh, generation. Um, I thought Jake Browning, despite that really bad interception early on, I thought he still played a really really good game. Uh, I think he just solidified that he should be a backup. I know he's kind of making an argument that he could be a starter somewhere else. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I do think that he should be the long-term Bengals plan for backup quarterback. So I think we have our answer there. Uh, Defensively, I mean, it's hard to really hype up the the defense um, considering how the Browns had, like, no starters on offense at all out there. Um there was a couple of deep balls to DJ Turner and Dax Hill that they let slip by. That was kind of disappointing to see. I thought that maybe we would have a clean slate, a clean game, clean sheet. That did not happen. But overall, I thought it was a great way to send the Cincinnati fan base off with a, with a win. Um, spirits are high. Locker room morale is still at an all-time high. I think Zach Taylor's yeah. done a good enough job there to an all-time high. Uh, <laughs> all-time all, high. All-time high. All-time high. All-time they high. They played the Super Bowl two years ago. I mean, for all the things Super considered, to guys, the AFC come on. Championship Let, let's not twist the words out. here. Let's not twist. Let's not twist this to to make it seem like. All I'm saying is that all the circumstances that were stacked up against them, they went out with the win and a dominant win at that. Uh, I believe that the Bengals played the Browns two years ago in the same sort of circumstances where they rested all their starters and they only lost by like a touchdown. So 
not going to point anything out, but I do think our roster might be a little deeper than the Browns. I think they're a little top-heavy. So, Browns I think the Browns are far better than the Bengals as of this very second, based on what we've seen this, this season. I mean, I don't I, – they're winning games with Joe Flacco. So – the, the the depth of the the depth of the roster was clearly won by the Browns this season. Would you? They both dealt with the same. In, I mean, like thirty percent of the roster was injured for both teams, and they they're in the postseason. And we are not. I mean, they had, they had a fourth I, place schedule, but let, let's not talk. They about did. That. They did. And, and I'll give them the Bengals had one of the, the I think the, they had the, the hardest, fifth hardest schedule of all time. They had like. the hardest <laughs> schedule in franchise history. I do think to Casey's point to to end this season nine and eight. And shout out to my guy Everett. Because it is what Mike Tomlin does every single season, just one game above 500. Yep. There is something to that. Zach Taylor finishes the season with a winning record. I'll give him it. Uh, the division play was terrible this year. The Bengals looked uncompetitive in any division game that wasn't decided by benching all the players, right? Uh, Steelers looked, they looked absolutely terrible. They could have won the first Steelers matchup had Jake Browning not uh, thrown one of the worst interceptions I've seen. Ravens games were bad. Um, and, 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 and it's fine. We play in the hardest division. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to give this season a pass. These seasons happen in sports. The, some of the Super Bowl favorites, some of the best teams in the league, they have down years. It happens. You miss the playoffs. Right now, it does kind of suck because the Bengals were the first team out. So you look back at this season, and they were one game away. Yeah. You're, you're one game away from the postseason. One um, Texas game away. Or one Steelers game. If you, if you win that first Steelers mm. game. But you can't, you can't harp on it. I do think Joe Mixon could come back. I don't think he will, but I think he could. I think it was fun to see him rush for it. Was that the first time he ran for 100 yards this season? Yes. That's wild. But listen, I, I have no I have no issues with anybody. I don't. I think you and Reed were were talking on the Bengals show that you should try to get Tyler Boyd back. I don't think so. I Tom and I or Tom and I and well, Casey we, we were weren't advoc we weren't advocating for Boyd to come back necessarily. We we would love for all of them to come back. But sure. But in an ideal world, yeah. I think the Bengals have already made it clear, like, Andre and Charlie are the answers at that receiver three spot. Otherwise, they wouldn't have drafted them, right? That's right. And listen, I'm not going to bash Tyler Boyd. I think everybody talks about that Texans catch that he dropped in a game where he had, like, 150 yards receiving. Tyler Boyd is a very good receiver. He was one of the best. He's, he'll go down in Bengals history as one of the, one of the greats. Yep. He'll, he, re he really will. But saying that, let's not pretend that he hasn't been a, – I mean, he just hasn't been involved in the offense as much as pretty much anybody else. He's, he's averaging four catches for yep. 50 yards in these games yep. the past several seasons. He's not been involved. Um, and for that reason, I have a hard time paying him anything over $5 million. Yeah, I mean, just one game alone. And again, it was against the Browns' backup team. A bunch of has-beens are one of these by and large, right? But they got that kind of production and then some out of the duo you just talked about. Right. Yoshi has two touchdown passes. Downtown Charlie Brown Jones has, you know, what, the most receptions on the team yesterday, right, yep. in the game? So well, he had the most yards. Yeah, the most, most yards. yards. And so they, they, they got that production out of that three-hole. The key is, what are you doing with a two-hole? That's right. Okay? Now, do you think Boyd could be a two-hole guy again? No. No. Okay, well, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. These are the yeah. things they have to think about that. Right. Okay, do you think that Yoshi or downtown Charlie Jones Brown, can they be a two-hole guy after virtually barely playing, especially Jones, for the entire year? It's a big risk. I you know somebody asked in the chat, fellas, and this is the question that I asked last year, and all you guys, especially you, Casey, you laughed at me, <laughs> about 
Will Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl in Cincinnati? The last two years going into the offseason. So two years ago, they go to the Super Bowl. Right? Right. Last year, they go to the AFC Championship game. This year, they are out of the playoffs. Now, is part of that because Burrow was hurt? Of course it is. Okay, but there, there are other examples out there of teams that still made the playoffs. But the concern for me is, when I look at all of the question marks surrounding this franchise and its personnel, it would be hard for anybody in this room, or even the most ardent Bengals fan, to argue that there are far more questions about the future of this team right now than there has been over the last three years in the offseason. That's fair. They have got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah. And improvements to make. <clears throat> All right. I mean, you don't have a right tackle. You're not sure what you're going to do about your running back room. Is Tanner Hudson your tight end? Is T. Higgins coming back? Is Boyd coming back on defense? A brutal year on defense. We know that. After the last two years, Lou Anarumo's had just excellent, if not outstanding or great. This year, they were brutal. They're bad at safety. They let two guys walk last year. They have taken nine steps back at that position. Some might say, not an important position. After watching this year, maybe it's changed your mind. Linebacker, you could cut Pratt loose if you want. Wilson, you got on a long-term deal. Yeah, Pratt on a long-term deal, but his has a clause where you can get out. <sighs> Cornerback. Everybody likes Cam Taylor-Britt. Wouzier came back, was not as good. Mike Hilton's still solid, but he is strictly kind of a one-trick pony in there. You use him on a blitz, use him in a slot. You're not putting him on the outside to cover guys. Yep. But a really good player. And then the defensive line. I mean, I tell you what, and I mentioned it in the interview with Charlie, I can't say enough about the toughness of Sam Hubbard. This guy got hurt multiple weeks ago. We thought it was an ankle. Turns out to be an ankle. But apparently there's some separation in the tibia and the fibula and the ankle and all that. He's got surgery tomorrow. Tomorrow. And continued to play. Now, well, you want to talk about toughness. Yeah. That's a lacrosse guy. That's a Buckeye. <laughs> I like Believe it. me, it's not just coincidence that Hubbard played lacrosse and played at Ohio State <laughs> to show that kind of toughness. That's all right. Man's game, man's school. Anyway, the guy, but their defensive line. I mean, no reader. Hendrickson's off the charts. Great. But outside of that, man, I mean, they have got some serious issues for the first time since Burroughs gotten here. Yeah, since probably 2019, right? Well, after his rookie year. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got a lot of tough decisions to make. And they, they have to have a lot of faith in some of the guys that they already have on the roster, right? Like, they have to hope that the linebackers will eventually regain their form. They have to hope that the young guys will eventually figure out this scheme. I was just looking – at, uh, Jesse Bates, because I was, I was a little curious on how he performed the first year under Lou Anarumo. And in 2019, it was his worst graded year in the NFL. Yep. And 
yes, he's an all-pro uh, safety, probably one of the best safeties in the NFL. I'm not sure what Dax Hill is just yet, but I think there's still some hope there that you can have some solid production from the guys that we had there. So at least you're banking on that secondary to take a step forward. Uh, DJ Turner had some moments this year. He was picked on at the end of the, the back end of this year. Um, a lot of deep balls thrown his way. They just got to have a lot of hope <laughs> and faith that that sorts itself out and that they can fill in some of these holes. Like the DJ Reader thing, I don't think we've talked enough about that. I agree. I mean, that's a huge blow. It's it's a ham or is it a quad tear, right? Yeah. And he Second uses time he's done it. And it's his other leg. Or is it this? So, I mean, like, you might not get the same DJ Reader. He needs his legs to be able to be the great nose tackle that we know him to be. So you might have a hole there. Uh, the T. Higgins thing, uh, that's a conundrum that many of the fans, we just don't know what the correct answer is. Yep. I, I'm still leaning towards the tag and trade. I think that there's so much receiver talent coming in the next few years that you can probably supplement that number two receiver. Like, the Bengals' philosophy has been to have two number one receivers. You don't always have to win games like that, though. Jamar Chase is good enough to be your number one, and then you can have some, not Joe Schmo, but you can have a number two. T. Higgins is a number one on half the teams in the NFL. Yeah. So I think that that's what they should do. They should try to aim to be more balanced, get that right tackle spot figured out, get someone athletic there so you can start running the ball more effectively. But, yeah, you're right, Tom. I, I'm nervous because there's a lot of decisions to be made here. And last offseason – we saw what happens when they don't get their number one guys, when they don't get the guys that they want to come back to come in. Guys like Von Bell walk out the door, Jesse Bates walk out the door, and they scramble. They go get Nick Scott, dud. They try to go get the the tight end from New Orleans. Your guy. Who, That's your guy. Irv Smith. The Junior. Vikings. Irv Smith Junior. Junior. Dud. Irv Smith. And then, and, and they want to make a splash, so then they look like they're trying to be as effective as possible in the offseason. They go get Orlando Brown Jr., and I'm not saying that it was a terrible choice to pick him up, but the money has not panned out the way that we thought it would. Um, he's not been very effective in the run game. Led the league in pressures, I'm pretty sure. Allowed, which is not great. He didn't give up a lot of sacks, but... You know, I just feel like last offseason showed a lot of what happens when their backs are up against the wall. This year, it's a lot of the same thing going into this. If they don't get T. Higgins, then what? Do you have a plan? Do you have a solid plan going into it? It's a lot going we'll on. We'll find out. All right, let's take a, a quick break. We'll talk more about this when we come back, and we'll talk about some of the things that happened yesterday in the NFL. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the national championship game tonight. Is it Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan? Casey, take it away. All right. Take Tom. it away. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world. With the suite of services from mobile computing, desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity. Productivity, yes. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins Productivity. Here. And then right here, I got Pawnee Water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. 
uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, buy lots of Pawnee Water, and uh, get your technology solutions from Encore. Thank you to our sponsors. And we got some super chats to read. Do you want to read them? I, I didn't even know. What? Do you want to read the super yeah, chats? Yeah, I'll, I'll read I'll read four. Okay. Let's uh, throw them up there. Let's All start right. with Justin. Yep. Uh, four ninety nine at the game yesterday in high dollar club seats. They were at, they there were at least five wetheads saying there will be a quarterback controversy next year. All right, Justin. Uh, Chi Town Real Estate two dollars super chat. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm Chatterbox official realtor. Uh, Sir Boy Wonder two dollars super chat. There's no excuse to start one and four, two and three next year. Sir Boy, I cannot agree with you more. I, if it happens again, I will lose my shit. Uh, Ricky Logan, uh, member for three months now. Thank you very much, Ricky. Ricky's the guy. Will the Will the Cincinnati Bengals win a Super Bowl during Joe Bur Joe Burrow's tenure? Uh, yes, he will. Joe Burrow is going to win a Super a Super Bowl, not a Super Chat, a Super Bowl, and I promise you that. I won't promise that, but I do think that the window for Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl run. Um, at least that first part of that Super Bowl run. I don't want to say it's closed because I think there can be multiple arrows in, in terms of running, but I do think that this is a little bit of a, a, a I wouldn't say a complete rebuild, but it's, they got to retool. They got to restock. So I'm not ready to say that the, that the window is closed on the initial part of his career, but I do think that they are in that retooling and re restocking revamping, part revamping. yeah revamping and, and listen in every house there are multiple windows i'm counting what four in this studio alone there's a, there's several windows in here you can have more than one it seems like the window where we had you know t higgins tyler boyd joe mixon everybody else it seems like that one's closed and that's fine because a new window opens we got four windows we're going to use our second one next year uh we are going to have a significantly easier schedule significantly and that, uh, we're gonna have a last place schedule. We're gonna have a last place schedule. If it, we start, if we start one and three again, I will lose my mind, Casey. I will lose my mind. I as will well. lose my mind, and I don't know what the the status of Joe in, of Joe Burrow's injury is. Um, I don't think anyone does. But I presume, I presume he would be back in time for uh, uh, spring training. My God, baseball's in my head now. Uh, for the preseason, and it, it, we need to play the guys during the preseason. Let's see what we've got. Let's get them all warmed up. And we'll have ourselves a year. I next year is the Bengals Super Bowl run. Next year it is. I do think, I do think that Joe Burrow is going to talk to the media today, and maybe we'll get more information about his timetable, his recovery window, because we haven't really gotten an answer on that. Maybe it's because it's insignificant; it doesn't really matter. He'll be back regardless. Maybe it's more significant than we think. Um, just another thought to put in your guys' minds as we enter in this offseason for the Bengals. But, man, um, before we go forward, Reed asked me during the Bengals show what my favorite moments of the Bengals season are. Elliot, I would love to hear what your favorite moments from the Bengals were That's this season. That's a really good question. I, I, I'm, I'm looking back on the year. Um, the T. Higgins catch against the Vikings will go down as one of my favorite plays of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Just that one? 
Well, just go. You can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was also one of my. I, I'm gonna favorite. take. I'm gonna. will take it right back. Go ahead. Yeah, Tom. that was also one of my favorite all-time moments. The T. Higgins catch was unbelievable. Um, beating the Jaguars on the road. Beating the Jags was a good one. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed seeing the uh, the Jags beat getting beat and completely demoralized. That was a good one. I'm trying to think early on in the season, was there anything? I don't think there really was. <laughs> my my favorite one from early on in the season was the Cardinals game. Just the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, like, 70-yard bomb. The one where, like, it was one of the longest ones that he's thrown to Jamar, like, in his entire career. It kind of yeah. solidified him coming back that moment where, like, yeah, Joe Burrow's back. But The Rams game sucked. I remember watching that one. That one was miserable. Well, at least they won. Oh, they won it. I'm just. We're just trying to think. I mean, of like they were best, starting 0 and 2. We're trying to think of our best moments. Yeah. What was uh, your some of your favorite? The 49ers game as a whole. I don't think there was a ever a big play in that game that I was like, I, I remember it right now. But I, I the game the game itself was utter domination. Joe Burrow stiff arming Nick Bosa to the ground was that was pretty. That was good. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks game was abysmal. That game sucked too. Um, you know what? I, I changed my mind. My my favorite moment of the year was against the Ravens in week two when downtown Charlie Brown Jones returned that kickoff all the way for six, Tom. That was my – he didn't go east to west. He went straight north. We north thought we would straight see a north. lot more of that this year. Unfortunately, he was nicked up a lot this year. He was year. nicked up a so, lot. So, I mean, you give him the benefit of the doubt. Yoshi was nicked up too. Although he ended up having, what, four or five touchdown receptions this year? Yeah. He had four. I think, I think. it's four. Yeah. Yeah, two yesterday. He has a couple drops, though. I feel like he drops the ball a little bit. I tell you what, though, man, I really I, – I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Oh, yeah. He's so big and strong and athletic. I mean, a couple times they had him in a slot yesterday. And normally the slot guys, you see the, the, the smaller, you know, slimmer guy, faster guy. I tell you, there's a lot to be said for putting basically – what would be the most athletic tight end if Yoshi played tight end. If you got him in the weight oh, room yeah. you want to turn him into a tight end, you could do it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, he is just so extraordinarily big and strong and athletic. And I just look at that guy. I don't know what his hands are like. I haven't seen enough yet. It looks like they're really good, you know, yep. just like Jones. Nobody can make a, a decision on Jones. You didn't see him enough. Right. right? Um, and thank goodness we got to see Chase Brown as the season went on. That's right. But would you make him your lead guy? Is he your lead guy at running back? Uh, I don't think so, Tom. I don't think so. Why? I, well, it's just, he was I, a workhorse he, now at Illinois, and I know that's a college game compared to the pro game, but at the college level for not a guy who's a big, huge guy, he's really fast. He's, but, I mean, he was carrying the ball 25 times a game at Illinois. Yeah, I like a little, I like a little power to my, to my running back there. I like him to go up the gut and just hit a, hit, hit a body. So I, I think he's very good. I think he's very fast. I think he will be dynamite. I think he will be uh, an upgrade to what Pirine was. Now, I know Pirine could block, so if Chase Brown's able to do that at some point in his career, he's going to be a superstar. I, I just don't think he's going to be a lead block. Yeah, I do or think, a lead, uh, lead rusher, sorry. Okay. I do think that he reminds me a lot of Giovanni, uh, that third down, scat back type of player. Very fast, very quick. I do think if you were the starter, you could have a potential like Austin Eckler on your hands. He's the same build as Austin Eckler, which fits the Bengals' play style a lot more than Joe Mixon ever did, in my opinion. Uh, smaller, faster, can catch out of the backfield, make a guy miss, um, more of your elusive type back. 
but I, I tend to agree with Elliot. I do like a little more uh, of the option to be a power back. If that were to be the option of having Chase Brown, I would want to get a guy that could ride up Henry the esque. A Derrick Henry-esque guy, yeah. Okay. It's interesting because Jason Williams points out in his column today on Cincinnati.com, look at the playoff teams this year. The Bengals have built a pass first at all, no matter what, that's who they are. Yep. They are a pass first team. Okay. But of the playoff teams this year, most of them can run the ball and they can stop the run. So you have Baltimore, number one seed in the AFC. You have San Francisco, number one seed in the NFC. They rank first and third in the NFL in rushing. First and third. Ten of the top 14 teams running the football are going to the playoffs. That's right. Ten of the top 14. Eight of the top 12 are defenses heading into the postseason that stop the run. That's right. So, you know, here we continue, and I'm as guilty as anybody, to talk about, oh, you know, slinging it around and a two $20 million receivers and, oh, you know, scat back this and no, no, no. Are they going to run the ball? Because I got news for you. Baltimore, looking ahead, is not going to stop running the ball, nor are they going to stop defending the run game. Cleveland's not going to stop running the ball, nor are they going to stop defending the run. Pittsburgh has two running backs. They will continue to run the ball. And the Steelers will continue to stop you from running the ball. Those are six games a year. They went one in five in those games this year. I've heard all this talk about the Bengals were built going into these last two years to beat the Kansas Cities of the world, to beat the Buffaloes of the world, right? Pretty much arm's length. In terms of competing in your division with the style of play and the weather and all of those things in your division. They were humiliated in their division this year. Yeah. Don't they have to, don't they have to just say, and Charlie said it a little while, I think this is an incredibly reflective offseason for Zach Taylor. He's got to ask, what have we learned? What are we good at? What do we need to get a lot better at? Is our style of play going to be more of what we saw with Jake Browning as the starter, where we're going to commit to running it a little bit more and get up under center? Or are we going to be empty field shotgun and let the quarterback get killed? Yeah, I, I, I do think there needs to be some consistency there. Also, it, the, the screen game worked so well with Jake Browning. I, I, I'll be curious to see if they bring that back. I presume, again, when you have a, it's, it's easier to throw downfield when you have a quarterback that you know is good. And that's no disrespect to Jake Browning. That's just I imagine what was happening there. Uh, you don't trust him to throw downfield. You're going to dump it off four yards behind the line of scrimmage and, and see if that player, if player X, can, can make somebody miss. But I do think there was a testament for it because it worked. It worked so it worked so effectively. I I would I would let Joe Burrow play around with it next year, see see if it worked. Um, the play calling thing that you asked Charlie a little a little bit ago, 
I would certainly change up the play calling. Will he? Most certainly not. But I would. I think I, I do think there is there is something. Zach Taylor's a good coach. He's a damn good yep. coach. This Bengals team winning nine games this year without a quarterback is impressive. The injuries that we have faced, Jamar Chase has been out. T. Higgins has been out. Everybody's been out. The injuries that we've faced and Zach Taylor still finding a way to win nine games is impressive. I know the ninth, game, the ninth win was against a team that didn't care, which does suck. I mean, <laughs> I, do th- I, I do find it funny that they can, they can play their sixth quarterback of the season, have it be Jeff Driscoll and call it a competitive football game. Um, and by the way, the, the CBS crew not switching over to the Jaguars game, uh, terrible. I don't know what that was about. But when the Bengals are up 34-7 to on, on a team that would look like a college team, and the Jaguars are fighting for their playoff lives. I would have liked to switch there late in the fourth quarter, but to each their own. CBS, you want to watch the Bengals dominate the Browns. That's fine. We all do. But back to my point, I do think next year you have to nail the draft. You have to nail it. The Bengals have been good at drafting pretty much every position except for the offensive line, uh, it appears so. So I, it, it, I'll be curious to see the, the draft strategy if they go straight offensive line first. I don't think they, that, that's what's going to happen. You're going to need a weapon for Joe Burrow. Because I think Everett said it in the chat. Jamar Chase is the, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But Jamar Chase is able to be that because T. Higgins is also one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Takes the pressure off him. So you need somebody to equally match. I mean, Jamar Chase, I know he didn't play a ton yesterday. Like four catches for 19 yards. Uh, that'll change next year. Burrow's going to get that guy involved. He had a great year still. But you do need to have somebody to find balance a little bit with Jamar so you're able to free him up uh, and, and, and let him go to work. But I look back at this Bengals season. I, I expected a Super Bowl. It didn't happen. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and be too frustrated about it. There was a lot that went wrong, and you played arguably, arguably the hardest schedule in franchise history. Yeah, I, I have to agree with most uh, with all those points. Um, I do think that when you looked at the roster construction, like Tom alluded. They were built to beat the top teams in the AFC. Well, now the top teams in the AFC go Ravens. They go, I mean, Browns. I mean, those are the two, I would say, the two hottest teams in the AFC right now, besides the Bills, besides the Bills. But the Bills can even run the ball now with James Cook. So, I mean, like, and even Kansas, they can run the ball if they want to. Kansas City. You got to say Can- Kansas City. Can- well, I mean, Kansas you know, City. it's Come like on. Reed jumped in the chat a little while ago and said about how, you know, the top teams are winning with the best quarterbacks. Well, the best quarterbacks traditionally are always going to, to, to eventually, if they're surrounded by good players on both sides of the ball, you like your chances better. But last year in the Super Bowl, Kansas City ran for 160 yards. They yeah. ran for almost as many yards as Patrick Mahomes threw in the game. Right. Mahomes threw for a buck 80, I think it was, something like that. The Chiefs ran for a buck 60. They've always been very capable of running the ball with Pikachu. They have one of the best centers in all football, the best guard tandems in all football. Now their tackles are a bit of a, a mess at the moment, but if you could, if you have a great presence in the interior like that, you can you can get a lot of push. And that just makes it easier on little old Pikachu, but um yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Bengals' objective should be to win their division because right now the top team in the AFC is the Ravens. It's the Browns. And those two teams, they're not built to stop them right now. 
they really haven't been able to stop them, at least on offense, in terms of offense, when they're all healthy. I mean, we, we haven't been able to beat Lamar. Um, we can't really stop Nick Chubb when he's all healthy. We give up 100 yards to him every single time he's on the field. Yep. So, 160 yards to Devin Singletary. Yeah, I mean, the Texans put up 160 on us. Yeah, I mean, I. yeah, we got to be able to stop the run. I don't know where you go from that because they've already invested a lot in the linebackers. I guess you've got to look for more interior help then, which kind of goes against our, our wishes that we wanted a pass rusher, but you got to be able to stop the AFC North first. You got to be able to, to win some games there before you can move on. Yeah. Tom's point of the uh, of being able to run, you know, all these all these playoff teams uh, running the ball effectively. I do think some of that is game script. I think when you're leading a game, it's easier to run the ball, right? I, I think that's a fair uh, assumption, and it's easier to stop the run when you're winning too, because they're going to be throwing. So uh, there is a testament to that. But to your point, there needs to be more balance. Joe Mixon only having one game, 100 yards plus, is is almost inexcusable. Joe Burrow was not healthy to start the year. There was no reason to not run the ball a ton. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't do it. So that's got to change next season. Uh, Steve from Chicago, $1.99, Pika Pika. <laughs> and so Very nice. That's a Pokemon reference. Though. And nobody's saying you have – look, you can't get wrapped up. Nobody is saying you have to have this gazillion-dollar star running back, one guy, Derrick Henry, or somebody like that. You just have to have a team that can run the ball. Yeah. That's all it is. And again, did the Chiefs have a great running back last year? Absolutely not. But against one of the best defenses in the NFL all of last season, they ran the ball straight down their throat. And that wasn't because you were playing ahead the whole game. It was a 38-35 game, if I remember last year in the Super Bowl. Right? Right. Okay. I mean, do the Steelers go into every game and say, here, we're going to sling it around. We'll get the lead and just start handing it off. No. Do the Ravens go into games? No. Do the Brownies go into No. They go into games like that and say, oh, we'll just wait till we get the lead and then we'll hand it off. No. Part of the game plan from the get-go is to run the ball. Right? Right. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point. I mean, but even in the game yesterday, Tennessee, they decided, now they do have a great running back. They decided we're going to run the ball down their throat. And Henry went off. Depends who the quarterback. What about the Indy game the other night? Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Right? Yeah. What, 185, 190 yards rushing? Yeah. But on fourth and one, we're throwing it to a, to a, a I felt terrible for that kid. He had a great, his post game, I don't know if yeah, you saw he it. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he, he handled that brilliantly. I just felt so terrible for him. Goodson. Bad th it was a bad throw by Gardner, but you got to yep. make the play. You got to make the play. Yeah. Okay. I, I, bounce, if, if it's okay, Tom, to bounce around the NFL a little bit, just so some of the teams that we've uh, seen this year. I, I wanna, I'm, you, you talked about the Colts. I want to say the, what the Colts did this season is nothing short of impressive. Having Gardner Menchu quarterback that team to almost, I, I mean, basically a playoff game. I, I'm going to call that Texans game a playoff game for them. That's a hell of a season. Anthony Richardson's supposed to be the guy. He looks unbelievable, goes down. Gardner Minshew comes in, plays lights out. You lose Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss steps right back up. You lose Michael Pittman. You got Downs going down the field, making elite plays. The, the Colts will go down as one of the teams this year that I look back on and say, I don't know how they did it, but that's an impressive season. 
That is a very fun team. Looking forward to Anthony Richardson. Looking, yeah, absolutely. That, and looking forward, that division is going to be good uh, starting next year, without the with the exception of the Titans. Shout out to them. Um, but yeah, I, I shout out to the Colts. Is there any team that didn't make the playoffs for you guys that you look back and say they did all right? That, that, that's a team that looking forward you can you can be excited about. I tell you the team that caught my eye here down the end of the year, and, and look, I don't know where they're going. I don't pay enough attention to them. But if you just look at where they were considering the way they finished, makes me wonder if I'm wrong about Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray looked damn good when he came back. Yes, he did. Now, look, does anybody care about Arizona around here? No. And we're not going to spend any time talking. But you asked a question. I say to myself, man. You know, they, they, they were playing with a backup quarterback, backs, plural, all year long, right? They ship off Dobbs. They're playing some guys you never heard of. Yep. Murray comes back. They competed in virtually every game after he came back. They beat Philadelphia, right? Yep. I mean, beat they, the Steelers. Right? They, they played good football. Yeah. And that's a first-year head coach, like Steichen. Yep. He had to go through his, you know, he had to go through his ups and downs, take his lumps. But certainly for both of those teams, there is encouraging things to get excited about looking to next year. I'm sure both those teams, because I don't know enough about it, maybe you guys do, to know what their issues are, contract-wise, all those other kinds of – but, you know. I uh, agree. I agree with them. And they, I believe they were missing their guy, downtown Hollywood Brown, uh, for a decent part of their season as well. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you'd be right. Um, Everett asked the question, who's the coach of the year? It is a landslide winner. Stefanski. No doubt about it. I mean, that's, yeah, there's no question. No doubt about it. I think if there was any other team, sorry, I think if there was any other t uh, coach to get it this year, I mean. It's D'Amico. Yeah, D'Amico Ryans. I mean, he's the first rookie head coach. True. Good point. Great point. But that, that, that's probably the two that you look at, and Stefanski What, has to what get about it, uh, Tomlin? <sighs> People were ready to run him out of town three weeks ago. Steelers are a joke. They're 10 and 7. I mean, they're just an with absolute With four joke. quarterbacks. This is why I asked Charlie the question. I don't know what to think about the job that Zach Taylor has done this year. I really don't. There's a part of me that wants to say, man, he's done a great job. But then I say, wait a minute. He's coaching in the same division against Stefanski, who had four quarterbacks, and they had to call the guy off the couch who's 38 years old. They lost their starting running back the second game of the year. Arguably the best pure running back in the league right now, or certainly top two or three. He goes down week two. They have to put in basically a rookie, the kid from UC4. He runs for almost 900 yards. Right? Right. They lose their starting right tackle the first game of the year. Then our guy, Dewan Jones, steps in there. Plays like a pro bowler, down he goes. They lose another offensive lineman, down he goes. Garrett's getting nicked up. Denzel Ward's getting nicked up. All these guys are missing games. They still won 10 games. 11. Or 11 games. Mike Tomlin. Kenny Pickett for half the year. Mitchell Trubisky. And then Mason Rudolph. And they win 10, including two wins over the Bengals, both with a backup quarterback. 
Fired an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. The numbers are staggering the difference since they made that move. I mean, did Taylor do a great job? I here's here. Or are those guys just at a different level? I think what it comes down. Not Stefanski, I, right? I, I, what, what I think what it comes down to is, is the Bengals made a mistake by not having a, a, a scenario at backup quarterback to start the year. Not that they knew at the time. You look back at the season, you say Jake Browning did one hell of a job. You do. But they didn't know that. Jake Browning didn't know that. Nobody knew it. So that resulted in them having to play an injured Joe Burrow for the first several weeks of the season. Injured Joe Burrow. Trace, Trace Fowler, my boss, has never been more right in his entire life than when he said a backup quarterback at 100% is probably better than Joe Burrow at 50% or whatever the hell he was to start the year. And I think that's where we get a little bit lost in transition, translation. Sorry. If we, if we had known that Jake Browning was a serviceable backup to start the year, I think we start Jake Browning, and I do think we win one of those games that we lost. I think you maybe beat the Ravens. I think you maybe beat the Titans. I think you maybe beat the Browns in the rain game on opening, on opening day. I think there was a situation where they didn't trust Jake Browning whatsoever. You had to play him at the end of the year because Joe, Joe Burrow went down, done for the season. You had to play Browning, but now you know what he is. You keep Browning heading into next year. You have a serviceable backup quarterback that can play NFL at a high level, play in the NFL at a high level. And I think that's where we get lost. The, the Browns, they knew what their situation was. They knew they had guys pretty much, that, and again, Deshaun Watson, not a fan of him whatsoever. Deshaun Watson hadn't been playing very good quarterback lately. He, 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 no, he's he was not. horrible last year. Yep. So really, they couldn't get much worse than what he was already giving them. They knew that going in. We have a top two quarterback in the NFL that was playing at 50% not knowing what our backup quarterback was capable of doing. Thus, we throw our injured guy in there. He can't move. He can't scramble. He can't extend plays. And that's why you were losing games. So I do think it's a little bit different, but that still falls on Zach Taylor. It still falls on, uh, on the Bengals' front office for not having a game plan to start the year. Now we have one going into next year, and there's no excuses. But I do think it's a little bit different. Uh, apparently, Joe Burrow is, has just started a press conference down at Paycor Stadium. We were told yesterday that he would do just that. And apparently, one of the early questions uh, asked about T. Higgins. And he said, we, the Bengals, have made sure things were in place for the team to keep players like T. When Joe finalized his contract. Interesting. Uh-oh. That doesn't make me feel great. Because what if that doesn't happen? He said he expects, apparently now, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. He expects T to be back next year. So that means you're going to roll the dice, you're going to franchise and put him on a one-year deal. Probably not sign him to a multi-year deal. Why would you? I mean, wh why would you give him a multi-year deal? He's coming off the worst year of his career. He was hurt a lot. Why not put him on a franchise, pay him through the nose next year, and at the end of the year, if you want to keep him, and extend them, you can do it then. Right? What's right. the hurry? It's okay. like I asked the question, what was the hurry on Logan Wilson? What's the hurry? What's the hurry there, I don't to think, extending guys out? I don't think there's a hurry, but I think it shows confidence in your guys. It shows uh, that leadership, that culture that everybody makes fun of. I do think there's a testament to, 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 giving, giving, to giving your guys what they're worth. And if that's a multi-year deal, that's a multi-year deal. Now, to your credit um, – I would not. I would not pay T. Uh, you know, 120 million dollars, four years, 
uh, this offseason. I wouldn't do it. I'd franchise tag him, and, I, and I'd see what happens. Now, my, my biggest concern is that T. Higgins pulls a Jesse Bates. Now, Jesse Bates ended up playing, but it, it's always the concern of will he play. I do think T. Higgins will play. I think that guy is yep. – I, I think he's a team guy. So, yep. I do think he will play. Saying all that, I think I do what you do, and I, and I, and I tag him. Yeah, the, uh, the direct quote, thank you to Charlie Goldsmith, who was just on the program earlier – Joe Burrow, everyone's expectation is T will be back. The offseason plays out in a crazy way, in crazy ways to don't expect. I don't know what that means, but but we want T back. That's the gist of it. They want T back. They expect him back. So whether that's franchise tagged or given a contract, they expect him back. At least Joe Burrow does. Well, hey, look, if anybody is in those meetings, he'd be the only one. That's right. He'd be the only guy sitting in there with Katie Brown or Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, Mike Brown, Zach Taylor, whoever else is in there. Burrow certainly has some input. How much? I don't know. But at least he's in the conversation because they built this whole thing around him. He's the highest paid player in the league. Some other things, too, just really quickly. Joe Burrow answered the question about his injury and the timetable for that. Uh, says, feeling good, getting better every day. No target date to throw. I think I should be good for OTAs. So, hmm. we'll see. That's not too far away. No. So, I guess he's good. Hmm. Okay. Uh, when you look at the um, – you had asked about teams that are going to the playoffs, feel good about. If you could pick, as we sit here today, just as a fan, who you want to see in the Super Bowl? Who are you going to be rooting for to get to the Super Bowl? I've got my answer. All right, who is it? One, it's the Los Angeles Rams from the NFC. Okay. I think the Rams, again, Matthew Stafford has been slept on all season long. That is a, that is a Hall of Fame quarterback. They've got one of the most elite wide receiving rooms in the NFL, Puka Nakua, with the best rookie receiving season of all time. You have Cooper Cup just waiting in the wings. And then from the AFC, Casey hates it. I'm going to go with the Browns. I think 38-year-old Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns with a backup running back, injuries all around the roster, taking that team to a Super Bowl, winning one for Cleveland, LeBron James meme, Cleveland, this is for you. I would take that in a heartbeat. I think think that's one. Divisional thing, listen, do I want the Cleveland fans to be happy? No, I don't. But I do want Joe Flacco to be happy. I think that guy deserves another shot. Give, give Joe Flacco another ring. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, Lindsey. Come on. Sit up in that microphone. It's your first day here. If you have to have two teams you want to see play in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I do agree with his Browns team because I don't like the Browns either, obviously. But they honestly are pretty good, and I would enjoy to see that. And obviously, I have to go with the Steelers. Yes, I, I figured that. I have to go with that team. And just give them another ring. Their seventh ring would be awesome to see. But And also just to shut everyone up who tries to diss on them every chance they get. So I would love to see that matchup, honestly. Anybody you want to see them play? You want to see the Steelers play the 49ers? You want to see them play any, uh, Eagles? Anybody out there you want to see them play? I think it would be nice to see them play the Chiefs, honestly. I think the Chiefs is a really good team. And I think that would be a fun matchup to see. We might see that one in two weeks from now. How about you, Casey? Uh, for me, I would love to see Houston make some noise. I feel like they are 
very similar to the Bengals' 2021 run. Underrated defense, a really hot quarterback, some really great weapons. That's my team for the AFC. NFC, I like the Rams, but the team I want to see is the Lions. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I don't think they'll make it, but I do think that everyone wants to see the Lions succeed, finally get a Super Bowl under their belt. And it would just be kind of like a, a little a little um, screw you to Jared Goff to the Rams too, like giving up on a guy that took you all the way to the Super Bowl and then you just traded him away for scraps and then look where he's at now. I, I think that would be a great storyline. So for me, it's Texas and the Lions. Those are my two must-see television. I don't think they'll make it, but I do think that those are my two picks. Okay. I can see the I can see the Texans. I can see that. Uh, mine, I would say the one that I think would have the greatest amount of drama. The two best teams are Baltimore and San Francisco. They've proven that. But I think the one that would have just undeniable interest would be the Browns against the Lions. Right? I love it. I mean. You talk about two friends. Neither one has ever won the Super Bowl, right? That's right. So some might argue is like when the Cubs, people thought the Cubs might play the Red Sox in the World Series, and they said guaranteed it would be Armageddon because neither team would win. So we would have Armageddon during that World Series. Christ would come back and say, there's no way I'm letting the Cubs <laughs> or the Red Sox win the World Series, right? So that might be the deal if the Brownies played the Lions. But, I mean, how can you not root? And I understand the Cleveland thing. I get it. But, I mean, come on. The Bengals have never won a Super Bowl. I think people in other cities would be saying the same kind of thing if the Bengals were in maybe a year ago. Boy, it'd be really cool to see them play fill in the blank. They've never won it before. The Brownies in Alliance? The fighting Chris Fieldmans? Come on. If you had to bet right now, if you had to bet right now, I'd give you even money. Ravens, Ravens versus 49ers or the field? Any other outcome? What would you take? I think I'd take Ravens 49ers. Really? Yeah. Would you? I would not. I think this season's been pretty damn crazy. I, AFC wide open. I think the Ravens are losing before they get to the Super Bowl. Who are they losing to? I would predict, this is my prediction, it's either going to be the Chiefs or it's going to be the Bills is, is what I think is going to happen. Okay. Uh, from the other side, the 49ers, again, when I close my eyes, Tom, when I close my little, little my, my, my baby little eyes yep. at night. In the hot tub. In the, in the hot tub. Um, when, when I picture who's hoisting up the Lombardi, it's certainly not Brock Purdy. It's not. It's not Brock Purdy. It's going to be somebody else from the NFC. The NFC has been a joke, respectfully, all year long. But the, the fact that there's two teams from the uh, NFC North in the postseason, terrible. Uh, the Packers have had a great job. Shout out to shout out to that QB, but give me a break. Um, I do think I do think if there's ever a year for the fraudulent Cowboys to prove that Whoa. they're not that prove they're not fraudulent, I would bet Cowboys Bills, a Super Bowl rematch of the ages. That would be a fun Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that not what I'm cheering for. That's Super not what I'm Bowl. cheering for. But I think it could happen this year. I think I think it could happen this year. I don't want it. But it could happen this year. Around the NFL, I don't know if anybody saw this. Jameis Winston came into the game in victory formation for the uh, oh boy <laughs> for the uh, for the Saints yesterday. They were playing the Falcons. Shout out to the Falcons. Uh, just a disappointing year. Desmond Ritter's not a good quarterback. Who could have seen that coming? Coach Me. Fire. I saw it. Coach Fire. Coach today, Fire. If you didn't hear. 
So, so Jameis Winston got into the game, and he overturned Dennis Allen, and he said, you know what, we're on the one-yard line up by 24. We're going to go for a touchdown here with a minute left and just stop on their faces. I firmly believe it is the funniest thing in sports when, when the opposing coach cries like a baby that the other team wanted to score again while there's still time on the clock to, to uh, some sort of PR thing. This is sports. You play until the final whistle. I don't care how much you're down. When Antonio Pierce lit up the Chargers and he wouldn't stop throwing the ball, fourth quarter, three minutes left, he's still slinging the rock. I love that. I love it. And the fact that people are going to – Arthur Smith, was that his name? That's Arthur Smith? Yeah. When he was crying about it, that's just a testament to you, guy, and that's why you don't have a job. People who cry about that are losers, just absolute losers. Shout out to Jameis Winston, one of the, ba- one of the greatest quarterbacks to never be good. Famous Jameis. Famous Jameis. Well, he was hot now. Was he? Arthur Smith. He was hot after that game and his uh, post-game yeah. handshake with uh, Dennis Allen. But then Allen came out and said, look, you know, that's not who we are, not who we want to be. Shouldn't have happened. Life goes on. Saints had plenty of chances during the year. How about that catch from Chris Olave yesterday? Did you see that? That was catch? unbelievable. That, was, that, that was, was unbelievable. That dude is some kind of player, man. That Wide was, receiver you. Wide receiver you. That's what they're calling it. Where do you think Marvin's going? I don't know. Do you think the Bears? Do you think the Bears are going to? It all depends on it. They got you. Know, we talked about it earlier. The decision they got to make. He's, Casey, going Arizona, he's going to Arizona. Casey, I, sh- I sent you the Jameis post game clip. I would like to play that real quick. If that's okay with everybody here. I think I think it was a, I think it was a lights out uh, post game. Alex uh, Wallace wants to know are the Buckeyes playing tonight? No, they are not. Alex. We're going to talk about that next. But I, I, I need to pl- I need to play this clip. Let's hear it. After after this, we need to talk about the college football title uh, game championship. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. We can't go this entire show without talking. Big about time. It. The fighting Jim Harbaugh's. Yep. Here we go. Who is this now? Famous Jameis? This is Famous Jameis. All right. Do you think we, we regret that? Well, you do have to play these guys twice a year. That's all I'm saying. We, we already played them twice. I know, but I'm talking about the future. You know, somebody has got to play these guys twice a year. That's all. How do you feel about it? Tell me how you feel about it. Not good. Why don't you feel good about it? Because you got to play these guys twice a year. But what about it makes you not feel good about it? The head coach tells you to kneel it up. You're asking my opinion? Yes. I think you should have kneeled it up. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you as respectfully as I can. You answer my question as respectfully as you could, and I'm telling you as respectfully as I can that I respectfully disagree with you. That's all. You disagree with me or the entire team? Whoever made that decision. Okay. So you disagree with the entire team. So thank you. No, I'm, I'm just being, I'm being honest and respectful. And that's what I'm attempting to do too. Yes. And that's what I am doing. So, yes. Do you think we, we regret? Okay. All right. I mean, you have a problem with any of that? I loved it. I love, that's my quarterback right there. That's my quarterback. They made a team decision to run the ball and get another touchdown. I, I don't hate it at all. I don't hate it at all. I think I think it goes to like he he asked or the reporter was like you play these team this team twice every year, yeah I think I want that rivalry to be even more heated now like I want it I want it to be just that is a heated gritty. rivalry people around here don't understand that rivalry that is a big time rivalry the Saints and the Falcons right I just think that 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 was kudos to the team because I think that definitely lit a fire under both teams and it'll be. 
explosive next year. I don't think there's a problem with it at all. If it's a team decision, then who do you blame, right? Like, Dennis, sorry, man. You got outruled. I, I don't know. I would want the Bengals to do the same if it was against the Steelers. So I, want, would I, would want, okay. I would want the Browns so to do that to the okay Bengals. If the Bengals were playing the Steelers or the Browns. Yeah. And Zach Taylor had said, fellas, take a knee. Take a knee. Yep. Okay. And the next thing you know, the backup, Jake Browning, let's say, under normal circumstances, right? Right. All of a sudden says, screw that guy. Well, it was a team decision. It wasn't Jameis's decision. It was a team decision. Well, it was the decision. offensive unit on the field's decision. Correct. Right? Yep. It wasn't Allen's decision. No. And he is the head coach. So, just play this out with me now. Yep. If Zach Taylor is playing against the Browns or the Steelers, you're beating them 40 to 17, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And Taylor says, fellas, take a knee. Jake Browning looks over there and says, eh, <laughs> I don't think so, big boy. And turns around and hands it off to Chris Evans because they want to get him a touchdown because he hadn't had one all year long, right? Yeah. Touchdown. So you got no problem with that. I got no the problem. The coach just said, don't do it. I got no problem with the Steelers did to the Bengals. I got no problem. I got no problems with it, Tom, because I think it just, I think it just makes it like, uh, it's like salt in the wound, right? I think what and Tom's gonna... alluding to here is that they overruled the head coach's decision. But again, Bengals don't have that problem because we have a culture guy as our head coach, <laughs> so our guys aren't overruling anybody. Uh, I would, to, to, to be serious for one second, yeah, if the, if the team overruled the head coach, that does say something pretty negative about the coaching situation there. I would, I would agree with Tom. <laughs> but, Jameis Winston, shout out to you. You overruled it, and that's fine by me. <laughs> Why does Evan Maurer say you owe Nick Crawl an apology? I don't know, because he's a clown. Because he's a clown, Tom. I have, Tom. I've said nothing but nice things about Nick Crawl. I have apologized to Nick Crawl repeatedly. When he made that stupid-ass trade for Mike Minor, when he traded away, <sighs> oh uh, what was that, Amir God. Garrett? For Mike Minor, $9 million, but we're going to release Wade Miley. Yeah, I had some doubts. I had some doubts about Nick Kroll. Am I allowed to have a couple doubts about my GM when my team hasn't won a meaningful game in 30 years? Am I allowed to have a couple doubts, Evan? All By right. the way, we didn't even talk about it. The Dodgers, they, they signed, uh, we, uh, they we, signed we, Diaz we Hernandez. we got to talk about the college football to, playoff. If we don't talk about that. Casey, I'm going to talk about it. Can I, talk, can I finish my thing? Let me finish right. the thing. Yep. The Dodgers have paid $25 million to Teoscar Hernandez. And they are deferring money on a one-year deal, Tom. What kind of crooked stuff are they doing in Los Angeles? They're deferring money for a one-year contract. Hey, it's their money. It's their money. I tell you, for people who wonder, uh, and I find the business part of sports to be more and more fascinating the older I get. Uh, John Orand writes for the Sports Business Journal. Yeah. Today he wrote 10 or 12 predictions for the coming year in on the sports side of athletics. And I would highly recommend to anybody to read that article because it is some interesting stuff going on there, tying in with, you know, you saw over the weekend maybe where the Yes Network and MSG have combined for, to, to form this company. They're huge rivals there in New York. One has the Mets, one has the Yankees, one has the Rangers, one has the Islanders, one has the Knicks, one has the Nets. They're combining on this whole thing and, and it is that a precursor for what the future of Bally's, Major League Baseball. Uh, he predicts that ESPN is going to wash its hands of Major League Baseball. 
get out entirely, not renew its deal. Uh, okay, college football playoff. We're down to the championship game. Neither team has lost a game this year. The Michigan Wolverines out of the Big Ten. The Washington Huskies out of the Pac-12. They'll be in the Big Ten next year. It's interesting to note those teams will play next year during the regular season. Um, you know, anybody who's watched this Washington team. Now, during the year, you know, they gave up 30 points a number of different times. Casey, you pointed this up. Elliot, you pointed this up to Cal and some teams like that, right? But then all of a sudden in the playoff last week, their defense looked pretty good. Wasn't great, but Texas is pretty good on offense. Yep. They weren't great, but Washington played well. I don't know if I've ever seen, and this isn't some kind of prediction about what he's going to do at the next level, but I have to tell you, I don't know if I have seen a college quarterback throw a deep ball, a deep ball better than Michael Penix Jr. Some of the throws he made in that game last week in the, uh, the win over Texas, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. And, and look, we talked about it. Washington, next to Ohio State, had the best wide receiver room in the country this year. Yep. I mean, they got number one picks all over the place running around to play wide receiver. Their offensive line allowed the fewest number of sacks of any team in the country. And Michigan lives and dies on the sacks. I mean, they were all over Alabama's quarterback the entire game. The question is, has Washington played a team with this kind of defensive front that can get after the quarterback? Alabama's defensive front seven were not as good as Michigan. How do you make this, play, this thing plays out? I think Michigan's defense is going to be the reason they win a championship this year. I, I, it, the spread's four and a half, I believe. Uh, that's the movement right now. I will yep. be placing a wager on Michigan, I've decided. I do think there is a testament to holding Jalen Mil Milrow to 116 yards passing. I think that is an incredible feat. Michigan played lights out. Uh, and, you, and there was moments in that game where you could argue – if J.J. McCarthy in that offense could just play a little bit better, if they could execute a little bit more, several drop passes, interceptions, I do think, I really do believe J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines are winning this national championship game. I think Penix is the better quarterback, and that's why I was kind of debating it. If, 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 you, if you, I can look at it through this lens where if I want to say who's the best quarterback, Washington has him. Who has the better roster? It's Michigan. And the NFL, if you, if you go by that method, I go by the quarterback every time. But in college athletics, I'm going to go by the team. It's all about the team. I'm going to take the Michigan Wolverines defense. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to predict the final score right now, 27-18, Michigan wins. Okay. Tom, I think the thing about Washington, and you tried to tell me this, uh, their offensive line is pretty good. Really they, good. They, they don't give up a lot of sacks, but it's also because Penix is really good at avoiding pressure. He's really good. He's got really great pocket awareness, yeah. a lot of great movement. I mean, it wasn't like he was not pressured against Texas. He was getting pressured in his face. The the two defensive guys, the interior guys for Texas. Um, yeah, the, both number one picks. Yeah, both, both really, really solid defensive tackles were getting there. They just weren't able to get home, and Penix was able to step away from that pressure and make the throws. On top of, like you said already, the receivers, both those guys for Washington are 
Very, very good. Odun's probably the second receiver taken in the NFL. Polk going to follow up right behind him as like that end first round, second early early second guy. I, I really like Washington's offense, but Texas's defensive line is nothing compared to Michigan's defense. I mean, it's just – it's going to be a whole different ball game because they're going to have pressure coming from every direction. And I just think that according to Elliott's methodology here, you take the better team in college athletics. You don't take necessarily the best quarterback. Right. Fourth. That, that, that being said, I do think that there is an advantage. Washington's defense, I think, can get home to, to Michigan. I think that they can get some pressure there, make J.J. very uncomfortable and we've already seen what happens when they're under a lot of pressure. Turnovers, special teams, drops, muff punts, missed field goals, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. I think that Michigan could win, but I don't know if they cover. I think four and a, I think it's gonna be a really close game. I think it's gonna be a really good game, Tom. You gonna watch the whole game? I'm watching the whole game. Whole Lindsay, thing. are you watching the game tonight or no? You are. All right. Fourth fewest sacks, by the way, Washington is allowed. Fourth fewest. And their line, they give away some award every year to the best offensive line in college football. The Huskies offensive line won that award this year. I just wonder about, I'm with you about the competition level. Have they really played? Now, they beat Oregon, and a lot of people thought Oregon was, you know, the end-all, be-all. They beat them twice this year. Um, During the regular season in the Pac-12 title game to get into this playoff, Man, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, it, getting back to something we were talking about earlier with the pros, if Michigan gets a lead, they're just going to start running the ball. Yep. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. They couldn't play that way against Alabama because they fell behind and found a way to rally. And they won the game late. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter. You know, uh, McCarthy uh, gets them going, and, and Alabama really screwed up. I mean, Alabama should be playing in the game tonight, truth be told. I mean, that, that last, the second-to-last series where they're on the move, they get the stop on the fourth down, first down penalty, even though they're running the ball like crazy against Michigan. That is one thing that surprised me about Alabama. They were able to run the ball against Michigan. But all of a sudden, they go first down, false start. And they're like at the Michigan 30. So all they got to do is kick a field goal, and this thing's over. Yeah. Right? Then, inexplicably, they go to throw incomplete on first down. They run for, like, a yard. Then they, instead of just, you know, they throw the ball. No, they, they went false start, throw, throw, sack on a throw. And now, all of a sudden, they're out of field goal range, and they got a punt. Michigan goes down to field, wins the game. Okay, well, that's on the offensive coordinator. I mean, I'm just stunned that Saban allowed that to happen. But give credit to Michigan. They have had a phenomenal year. Do you believe that this will be, win or lose, Jim Harbaugh's last game as head coach at Michigan? 100% yes. You do? 100%. Why? At some point, the NCAA is going to announce their punishment. And once that happens, there will be no point for Jim Harbaugh to stay because it'll be, it'll be a suspension. I'd imagine an entire season suspension if all these allegations – uh, become true. Not to mention the way college football, the way college athletics have gone uh, the past several years. It's so much more difficult to be a coach. The recruiting's harder. The transfer portal's harder. Everything's harder. Why not take the the, the money? Go to the NFL, uh, a place where you've already proven you can coach. 
and be successful there. I think he's had a great – this would be the cherry on top, if you were, to, to his tenure as a Michigan head coach. Win this thing and get out of town. Go, go right off into the sunset. You did your job with, as, as a Michigan Wolverines head coach. Without question, this is his last game. Yeah, I have to agree with Elliot there. I think he's just tired of the college landscape as a whole. Like, despite their, I think even if he doesn't get suspended, I think he's gone because it's just a headache. Everything he does, every little thing he does, it seems like he gets a, a suspension, buys a kid a hamburger, gets a three-game suspension. It's just tired. The whole thing is tired. He would have a better time in the NFL, more respect, uh, more control probably even. Um, yeah. And more money, more respect. He's already been able to get to the Super Bowl. So why not do it again? I think he would, if he wins, I think it's a for sure deal. If he loses, there's like an 85% chance he's not, uh, there's an 85% chance that he leaves Michigan. And but I think a, there's a small chance that he stays for that championship. And that's a guy who I would want to head coach, Justin Fields. That is a guy who I would want to work with that offense and make the Bears somewhat relevant once again. I know well, that. there are a lot of people that believe that, that that think that Harbaugh wants the Chargers job. I'm sure a lot of people. Now do. he's been in California a long time. He was at San Diego for a while. Went to Stanford. Went to the 49ers. He's a Midwest guy at heart. Um, you know, Michigan alum. Blah blah blah. Somebody in the chat here. Who was this? Uh, Mark Fetters, our good buddy, says Jim Harbaugh is not a culture guy. I could not disagree more. He is all about the culture and could say everybody be damned thinks about it outside our culture. When he comes out like he did the other day and again, like him or hate him, he's talking about players being a part of a revenue sharing thing, all that kind of thing. You don't think players love that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, Harbaugh is, look. Harbaugh is one of the few guys, and there aren't many of them. I'm trying to think off the top of my head about the best coaches in pro or college. There are not many guys that have the playing career at the college level and the professional level that Jim Harbaugh had. He was a number one pick. He was the best player in the AFC one year for the Colts when they went deep in the playoffs. This guy... He understands players, and players like playing for Jim Harbaugh. I nothing nothing was <laughs> there is not a bigger testament to that than when he was gone for whatever game that was, and their backup coach beat Penn State, yeah. and he started crying on national television for him. Now, J Harbaugh is absolutely a culture guy. Everybody loves him. Uh, it's just the culture that uh, <laughs> he creates is probably not what the uh, the rules say to do. But it's a culture nonetheless. Absolutely a culture guy. Yep. Well, it's going to be fun to watch it here tonight. Uh, do we have a cherry on top today? Uh, we, we do. It's also introducing a new segment as well. This was brought on by our co-worker, Nick Kirby. Yep. Nick Kirby? Nick Kirby. Yep. Wow. Our new and it's got to be guy. big league. It is. And Mark Fetter says, by the way, the Harbaugh thing was a joke. So today we're introducing Today and Tom. How about this? <laughs> today and Tom. Like a real man. On this it day. It is a spectacular night in the Valley of the Sun. We welcome you to the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona for the first ever Tostitos BCS National Championship game. 
the second rank and once beaten University of Florida Gators go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the undefeated and the number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Joey Ehas bangs it away and this is Ted Ginn Jr. Look out! Somebody better tackle him! A couple of tackles and Ginn down the sideline will race to the end zone. What a start for Ohio State. Tom, you know what happened to him after that end zone? What? In the celebration, he broke his foot in half. Are you serious? Did not play another play in the game. The best player on Ohio State's team. He Ran the opening foot? kickoff. Ohio State was like a two-touchdown favorite in that game. They had the Heisman Trophy winner and Troy Smith. He was their best player, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, they, had, they had Beanie Wells at running back. They were loaded everywhere. And on the opening kickoff, Everybody said Ohio State was going to win that game by 30. And here you have on the opening kickoff, Ted Ginn Jr. runs it back for a touchdown. In the midst of that celebration, broke his foot and did not step on the field again. That's crazy. It's a big league game. What was the final score? Do we know it was final... a blowout. Really? The Florida Gators yeah. led by? Chris Leak. I mean led by. Leader Urban, of men. Urban Meyer. Urban. Urban the first Meyer. of three national titles for Urban. And then he switched sides. No, he won two at Florida, won one for the Mighty Buckeyes. 41-14. Yeah, it was a massacre. I mean the Gators, and if you've watched that show, I'm telling you, even if you hate Urban and even if you hate Florida, you have to watch that Swamp Kings thing on Netflix. Yep. Because if you want to get an idea of what that Florida team was all about in that game, then go watch. It's only four episodes, and they're an hour each. So it's not going to chew up a bunch of times. That's some huge commitment here. But it's about Urban Meyer's tenure at Florida. Walking in, everybody said he couldn't win with this spread offense in the SEC. Then how he had to change it. And then what he did to get his players ready for those games was nothing short of insanity. They were literally the old adage about chewing glass. Mm -hmm. That whole team was chewing glass. <laughs> <laughs> they were insane. Uh, by the way, today it came to my attention. Uh, and Real Spirit Cat, among others, thank you for your compliments about things. Uh, and Mr. Mo says it was a fluff piece on Urban. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. But um, he had him ready to go. Uh, remember Teddy Kramer, the kid with special needs, yeah. Down syndrome, was a bat boy for the Reds there yeah. for a while when the they Todd, were in the, the playoffs. The Todd Frazier moment. Today is his birthday. How about that? And I got to tell you, to be around that young man uh, and to be around his mom and dad, today is his birthday. He lives right around here somewhere. I don't know if he's in Hamilton or Fairfield or somebody. He's close by. But, Teddy, happy birthday, man. You are the – here's Teddy. He is just absolutely freaking awesome. He's everywhere now. He's at a lot of the big Joe Nuxall events that they have. He is the best. Teddy, God bless you. I hope you have a happy birthday. All right. We're out of time. No box lunch, I'm assuming, today. We're going we're gonna to try. We're going to do a little bit of something. We're going to do a little box lunch today. You are. I'll, I'll try to host Reed it, yeah. is out uh, not feeling well. Reed, we hope you feel better. He was here last night for uh, Chatterbox Bengals. Yeah, he was Got working overtime. Got show with Casey. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, Reed, hope you feel better. Trace is on vacation. 
Lindsay, welcome aboard. Thank you. Normally, we're a lot better than this. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did. Uh, we, we will be better tomorrow. Hopefully, we're here tomorrow and not sick or fired. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end it. What a way. <laughs> All right, here we go. It is time for Box Lunch. Here we go.